Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. All right. Welcome to Revolution, everybody. Um, Happy Mother's Day (laughs) to the moms in the crowd. Um, I just had Mother's Day breakfast with my ex and the kids here, and that was nice, and uh, always emotional, (laughs) but nice, and um, we made cards for mom yesterday, that was fun. They lots of stickers and markers. Um, we are going to be in John, <laughs> my my favorite gospel. Can't believe I keep going back to John, because um, John is not my favorite gospel. It's my least favorite gospel. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, um. I went and saw Derek Webb play Thursday night. Just kind of happened crazily. We were talking on Instagram, and then I said, hey, we should hang out sometime. And then I realized he was playing in Minneapolis in two nights. So that was really weird. So I just went to a house show and then ended up hanging out with him until... 1.30 in the morning here at Bryant Lake Bowl, which is the latest I think I've been out since I've lived in Minneapolis. And I had the kids at 7 a.m. the next morning, so it was whew, tough. But one thing I'd like to say is that uh, Derek Webb is a solid human being. And uh, what a pleasure to meet that guy. And I I look forward to probably working with him in the future and doing some stuff with him. He's an extremely talented musician who's gone through a huge faith change and or loss of. And uh, it was great to hear his perspective and uh, see what he's doing. So he's out in Nashville, out of Nashville, doing some cool stuff. But you can you can get his music on Spotify, and he's got a great cover. He's got two cover albums that he just released, and they're really good. And uh, also this album, Cross Fingers Crossed, that he did that's really great about going through loss of faith. And he's got a new album coming out called Targets, and I don't know when it's coming out, but I've heard it, and it's good, very good. So anyway. There's my plug for my new friend, Derek Webb. Um, So John 16. John, uh, actually, yeah, John 16, 4. I always hate when I don't highlight things, and I didn't highlight this, but 4 through 5. But I have said these things 
to you so that you may know the hour comes, may remember that I told you about them. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send the advocate to you. And when the advocate comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. Let's see, was that all I was going to read? And did I get to 50? Oh, no, we so on. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the rulers of this world have been condemned. I still have made, I still have many things to say to you, and listen to this part, but you cannot bear them now. So he's saying, I've got a lot of things to say to you, Jesus is, but you cannot bear them right now. When the spirit of truth comes, it will guide you into all truth. For God, for the advocate will speak on his own, but I will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are come to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, and for this reason I said he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Um, so growing up in the assemblies of God, this would be the Holy Ghost, as we called it, or the Holy Spirit, um, called the advocate here, which I think the advocate is very much like wisdom in the Bible. It's too bad that they change genders. All of a sudden the advocate is now male when it seems like in the Old Testament the advocate was female, but I think Paul had issues and these writers had issues with living in a very male-dominated society. But what really gets me here is Jesus says, things you were not ready to hear. So he's saying there's changes are coming and I didn't say it all. You know, it all wasn't said. And of course we see that a lot through the Paul who Paul doesn't really talk a lot about what Jesus said as much as he talks about what Jesus did, but he also opens up the world of the Gentiles and even more inclusion to the point where we have in Galatians, no male, no female, no Jew, no Gentile, no slave, nor free, all are one in Christ. And so there's an evolution of the gospel, and Jesus is saying that this is going to continue to evolve uh, when you're ready. Interesting, right? Now, I want to stick with Holy Ghost in this because I want to talk about the Spirit and ghosts. Um, I was reading in Acts 17 and... I have a weird relationship with Acts 
17. Um, I've used it in the book, but I stretched it a lot <laughs> to the point where even my friends who are philosophers were like, you really uh, kind of stretched that a lot. I don't know if that's what Paul meant. And I was like, yeah, well, that's what I got out of it. So I was just doing what you philosophers do and change things. Um, because they do that all the time, you know? Like, you change the meanings of things all the time. Don't diss me for doing it. Yo. Um, Acts 17. And what I'm talking about really today is I'm going to go ahead and just expose the secret. As I'm going to talk about being haunted by God. Okay? And that's why when Jesus says, I'm leaving you with the advocate you're not ready to hear things, he's almost saying, There's, I'm not going to be here. You're not going to be able to touch me. You're not going to be able to see me. You're not going to be able to talk to me. There's just going to be something else, a spirit. So it's a ghost, a holy ghost. We're going to we're gonna get even more into it in a minute. Um, Acts 17, 16 while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he argued in the synagogues with the Jews and the devout persons and also the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Also some Epicureans, I think is the word, Stoic philosophers, which is pretty awesome, debated with him. Some said, what does this babbler want to say? which is often what people say to me, so I feel like I'm in good company. Why does he keep babbling on? What does this babbler want to say? Others said, he seems to be proclaiming a foreign divinity. This was because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. So they took him and brought him to Aeropagus. What is that? Aeropagus? I'm used, I'm used to Bob knowing... But I didn't hear Bob chime in, so I'm going to go with that. Aeropagus. And asked him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? It sounds rather strange to us, so we would like to know what it means. Now, I'm focusing on really strange parts here. So this is one part I want you to think about is it sounds rather strange to us, and we would like to know what it means. Okay, because they're hearing him talk about resurrection of the dead and Jesus and forgiveness and grace, and they're going, "This is this is strange," you know. Now, all of the Athenians and foreigners living there would spend their time in nothing but telling or hearing of something new, which philosophers awful often do. And then Paul stood in front of the. Arachapus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For I was sent through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship. I found amongst them an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as the unknown that I proclaim to you. 
the God who made the world and everything in it, like he's really throwing down the gauntlet here. He's like, my God is the God. Um, the God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth does not live in shrines made of human hands. Now listen to that. I want you to think about that. God doesn't live anywhere, okay? Nor is he served by human hands as through as though he needed anything since he himself has given all things to mortal life and breath to all things. Now uh, listen to that. Part again. He is not served by human's hands as though he needs anything, okay? Or that God needs anything. I, I, I try to take out the pronouns, but they just are so many of them. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhibit the whole earth, and he allotted the time of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live so that they would search for God. Now listen to this. So that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him, which means reach out, try to handle, handle him, touch him, groping. We all know what groping is. We hear about it in the media a lot. Um, grope for him and find him and try to find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. But I'm jumping back to this part. So that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him, making a shrine or something like that, and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us. There is no tangible groping. There's no grabbing. There's no getting your hands on God. He's always close to us, though. What does that sound like again? That's a spirit. You can't touch it. It's not physical. Um, one of the things interesting to me is unneeding, he says. Now, I think, what do I love when I love my God as I love other people? I think that's the answer to that question, others. But he's saying that God is unneeding. You can't grasp but always near. So you have this, this idea of Jesus saying, I'm, I'm leaving you with the Holy Ghost, I'm leaving you with the Advocate um, so I can reveal things to you, but you won't be able to see me or touch me or be with me anymore. Then you have Paul explaining to these philosophers and religious thinkers of saying, you know, this God you're thinking about is the God of everything but is unneeding and you can't grasp but is always near. It's a haunting. They're being haunted. He's saying this will haunt you. Interesting. Um, in The Folly of God by John Caputo, or as I like to call him Jack because he's a friend of mine, um, I'm going to read this part that I wasn't even planning on reading, and then I'm going to read the part I was planning on reading. In Honto theology, we live lives of hope and the hint of a promise of what is to come, of what 
is being called for, including the promise of the past, the promise of what has been handed down to us by the past. We live of faith in the unforeseeable, in the coming of what we cannot see coming, and not least, we live of love. We, we live lives of love, of the unconditional. That's what, what um, Caputo calls God. Of the uncon, unde, de, con, uh, unconstructible, which we desire with desires beyond desires, with a very agopic eros of erotic agape. The three things will remain, faith, hope, and love. And I'm going to jump down and he goes, he explains his whole theology and kind of my theology lately, or philosophy, or call, or haunting, his own haunting. He says, in a moment of madness, a matter of weakness, I have never been able to not speak of religion. God and theology, try as I might, have been, I have been hearing the voices all my life. And he goes into what that's done for him. But the idea is, is he's haunted by something. I think what he's saying here is, if I could just be a normal philosopher that didn't have religion, I would. But there's something that continues to haunt me. And he's the one where it really hits, he's, he's the big haunting guy. Um, conviction, in a way, is a haunting. Justice, seeking justice, is often something that we can't put our hands on. And we can't touch. We can only make it happen through work. And, and, and hopefully see a transference happen. But it's still a haunting of us. A conviction for certain things is a haunting. I was haunted by the fact many years ago that my LGBTQ brothers and sisters weren't being accepted and I couldn't figure out why. You know, and I had to search the Bible because that's what I was told to do because I was told it was the answer book. You know, and I had to search Greek and Hebrew and find out what traditions were and find out what the historical background and started to read the Bible within context, which was all actually a very fascinating journey. But it was, I was haunted by this. I was pursued by a conviction. And sometimes the conviction, which haunts us the most of us, sometimes even breaks through. But it breaks through because we respond to that haunting. Caputo talks about God as a specter, which specter is also a type of spirit or a ghost. Um, it's funny, when I was first reading this book 10 years ago, I think it's been, which is bizarre how time flies, um, I was reading a lot of comic books, and one of my favorite comic books was this DC comic book called Spectre, where basically a detective is killed and the spirit takes his body over and then you know, does superhero stuff. But he haunts. He takes people on journeys. 
He takes sometimes takes them to the future or the past, and he haunts them to see things that are to come, or shows them things that they have you know can't otherwise see. And it was really interesting. And um, John Caputo, in his book *The Insistence of God: A Theology of Perhaps*, writes, and I actually drew a picture of the specter next to to, to this which I was really glad I did now because I was like looking for this book everywhere and I'm going through all the Caputo books looking for a drawing. What was that? What did he write about the specter? What did he write about the specter? Um, in short, radical theology does not exist. Okay? It insists. Oh, that's a tough one to wrap your mind around, huh? Yeah, I concur. It does not exist, it insists. It is a specter, a ghost, undead, homeless, and un... And I can't, this one, this word gets me. Helmich, H-E-I-M-L-I-C-H, Heimlich, unheimlich. I guess means, I guess, yeah, I guess that's what he's saying. No, and then he says, no death of God. Now, what he's saying when he says no death of God, he's talking about in the 60s when there was a big death of God movement and Time Magazine had a cover that said, is God dead, which I actually have a copy of. And um, it's very interesting. It was written by uh, Thomas Altizer, a, a, another theologian, who actually believed that God died on the cross and that was it but it says no death of God in quotations allows it to rest in peace not even a death of God allows it to rest in peace nor can it make home amongst the comforts of the life world okay so so the specter can't be laid to rest in the grave, but it also can't be here, you know, home uh, aimed at the comforts of life world, so it's not amongst us. Jesus isn't walking around talking to us doing CNN interviews or anything like that, you know. He doesn't have a Twitter account or Instagram, which he probably would have Instagram. Um, (laughs) Because Twitter is just a crap hole sometimes. Hence, it wanders the world as a spectral perhaps. Is it there? Isn't it there? Perhaps. He has this whole theology of perhaps, and I've heard him speak on it, and it is mind-boggling. Perhaps in some ways is like doubt, but it's a little bit more positive, you know? And uh, could you imagine if you answered all your theological questions with perhaps? If I ever get to do an interview again, maybe when they release that film about my parents. So, Jay, you're saying that God is this? Perhaps. Another definition of unheimlich is creepy. Creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh, strange and unusual. And that's, 
it's it's strange and unusual that this very down to earth theologian who believes in weak theology um, is being so spiritual, but spiritual in a in a, in a different way than we were raised to believe. It's like all oh, the spirit, but he's saying no, it's a haunting. It's really it is a spirit. Whispering. Okay, so this I'll read part of that again. Hence, it wanders the world as a spectral, perhaps. Whispering a reminder of the may being of being, a maybe that wins its way into everything that we would otherwise like to have described as substance, essence, and presence, as knowledge, science, and truth. So it's saying... It just haunts everything that we can't explain. It's pretty interesting, and I'm sure I'm not doing it justice at all, but I'm giving it my best to enter into this world of radical theology. So, I wrote down, after reading this part, that in 1 John, he claims that God is love. Now, love to me is another specter. Um, It's a bizarre thing because sometimes often when it's gone, for some people, it exists still for the other person. And it is a haunting that you try to shake and break, and only time can do it. But you know what? I think of my first love in high school, and I think there's still part of me that carries something for Suzanne <laughs> in that powerful moment of when something became alive in me that I'd never seen before, and I'll never forget her. Now that's a different type of love than maybe the God is love. But if God is love, then God is a specter that will haunt all of humanity. I don't care if you're a super legalistic religious person or super um, fundamentalist atheist. You're still somewhat haunted by love. Because these guys write these books on apologetics because they have this need to feel approve of God. Obviously, they have lots of doubt because they're writing books on apologetics. <laughs> um, but atheists have these other books. And why are they writing these books to say get rid of God or get rid of this or get rid of that? It's because they're wanting to say experience a pure form of love. But if God is love, then God is the ultimate specter. Infinite. I wrote down a um, a uh, quote from um, David Bazan's song uh, "The Stitches" from the album "Cursor Branches," and he has a song, and he's kind of like talking to his doc- daughter, 
about things and it seems like he's talking to her about maybe the loss of his faith or maybe she's asking questions. But one of the thing one of the lines in there says the crew has killed the captain but they still hear his voice. A shadow on the water, a whisper in the wind. They're haunted. And then it goes on and says, lately my daughter's been asking a lot of questions by you. Because he's saying, I've lost my faith, but I'm still haunted. I sat down with my new buddy, Derek Webb, and he's lost his faith, but he's still extremely haunted by this specter. Some of you sitting in this room consider yourself atheists or agnostics and all that, but you're sitting in this room because there's a haunting. It might be just a tiny little bit of a haunting, but there's something haunting you to turn on this podcast and listen every week. And what is it? That's the thing is you don't know what it is. Is it the Holy Ghost? Is it the specter? Is it God? I wrote down, you know, I want to make sure it's not brainwashing. That's often what I worry about too, is the specter because I've been brainwashed to think this way. But part of my process of freeing myself up from the God of my own understanding is allowing the specter to haunt me and take me on a journey to break beyond the God of my own understanding. People always want the God of their own understanding. People like that. It's safe. But what happens when it is not of your understanding? What happens when it's creepy and supernatural? When it's faint? When it's a shadow on the, on the water? A whisper in the wind? Things you're not ready to hear, as Jesus said. The Spirit's going to bring things that you aren't ready to hear. Like, for me, it was all your LGBTQ brothers and sisters are welcomed at the table when it's time to say it, and people, a lot of people at that time weren't ready to hear it. You know, I thought that was over, but I was just at an event, and I was at Wake, and I was meeting with pastors who were saying their churches are falling apart because they're arguing over LGBTQ inclusion. There's still people not ready to hear what the spirit and the specter is haunting and whispering and saying. And to me, there's a lot of that love there. I mean, if you want to look at a haunted man... Look at Martin Luther King Jr. Haunted by love. I'll close with with basically two things that I think get it. This haunting in a lot of ways. I listened to some country, old country music and to hear, you know, one song is about mom and the next song is about being drunk and on the, on the floor at the bar 
and how your wife left you or you're not a good man because you play around or you do all this but there's this and then there's a song about oh sweet Jesus take me take me home and it's like this this um, paradox of there's still a haunting there there's a haunting through that music you know um, also I was thinking about a song that used to confuse me as I was younger I always loved U2 growing up and I'm giving them out my age because I think millennials all hate U2 and Bono but I love Bono and I like U2 I don't care judge me um, but from the Joshua Tree album when I was really I think I was 11 years old when that album came out they had the song I still haven't found what I'm looking for and he talks about, I believe in God, I believe in the cross, I believe in all this, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know, like this continuous search for happiness. It's like, I didn't find it in love with a woman. I haven't found it yet holding the hand of the devil. I haven't found it yet with the crucifixion. And it even goes, you know, you died for my sins. And then he says in one line, you know I believe it. Yes, I do, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. And I think that's the call of the specter. I think that's the call of what Jesus was saying, things you aren't ready to hear yet. But unfortunately, we can't grasp and put our hands on it, but it's always near. We're being haunted by something. What is that? And I'll say that perhaps because there's always the little asterisk that I've able to put that says, is it brainwashing? Is it the culture we grew up in? Is it history? Maybe. Perhaps. But perhaps it's that which is greater than ourselves. Perhaps we are haunted by God the unconditional. And uh, I can't get away from it. Like Caputo, I try, but in a moment of madness, I show up every Sunday and I read through this book, the Bible, and I read through these theology books and philosophy books, seeking and searching and haunted for something. And I'm going, there must be more. You know, I kind of wanted God to come down and intervene in my loss of my marriage and sit down and talk with me and be a counselor. You know, the song, Just a Little Walk with Thee. Um, you know, just wanted to have a little walk with Jesus down the sidewalk, down Hennepin, and maybe talk about why I can, how I can let go of this love and move on with my life and do all these things. But guess what? Jesus didn't do that. Pete at, at uh, Wake told a story about how during Shakespearean times there would be plays, and this was looked really down upon doing in your play, but they'd have a character killed off. But if the playwright decided, oh, that character needs to be back in the play, they would lower down basically a man with a beard and a white cloud behind him, and he would go, boom, 
and the man would come back alive, and then the God would just go right back up. Yeah, that was the, 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 the God that intervened. Um, luckily, I'm familiar enough with comic books to know that Superman and Batman and Captain America have all died many times, and they have found obscurely strange ways to bring them back. Um, and I think sometimes that's what we hope from, from God. We don't want a haunting... We want an intervention. We want God to come down from the curtain and go, bing! And that's not what I found. So why am I talking about being haunted? Because that's what I have. That's what my experience has been, is that I'm being haunted by something. So good luck with that. Yeah. Um, thank you. That's my talk for today. Haunted by God. Um, Revolution is a nonprofit organization, and we exist through your donations. And if you would like to support Revolution, uh, you can go to revolutionchurch.com and support us there, or you can go to the Facebook page, or Evolution Pay Facebook page, and hit the donation there and uh, help us. But we much rather have you than your money, so um, remember that. But if you want to give, we'll take it and put it to use. Um, you know, maybe we'll end up online again and. Maybe we'll end up doing some video stuff on YouTube and things like that. But uh, it takes your support to make that happen. And to be honest with you, this is the strangest time in my life, so I have no clue what's happening because I am paralyzed often by my depression and grieving uh, of this part of my life, um, including God. I'm grieving God in a way now going like, okay, maybe I can accept this specter, this, this ghost. Um, but I'm grieving an image of God that I've held very tightly to and am now learning to let go. Um, so it's quite a journey, but we could definitely use your support if, uh, if you're open to that. Anyway, I just want to thank you all for listening and... Um, yeah, this has been Revolution Church. A post-Christian production.